welcome to the Empowered Podcast. I'm your host, Robin Tudor, Certified Lifestyle Medicine Practitioner. My aim is to help everyday people understand science, not the science, and to use that understanding to make better choices for their health and well-being. Each episode, I'll be bringing my latest Substack post to you in audio form. For the full visual experience, including graphs, charts, images, and videos, view the accompanying post in my Empowered Substack. And now, let's dive in. Episode 17, Novavax, Hope or Hype? I have had more requests to write an article about the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine than about any other topic during the entire manufactured crisis of the past two years. I've been holding back until I felt I had enough information to make it worth your while to listen to me. I'll be adding to the post accompanying this podcast episode as more data come in, so check back in on that post from time to time. As one of my correspondents put it, the Novavax vaccine is, quote, being subtly pushed by doctors to get the people who, for various reasons, did not want the usual culprit vaccines. My parenthetical note, what my correspondent means is the mRNA and viral vector injections, which many people resisted due to concerns about them being novel technologies and, of course, about adverse reactions. And then back to what my correspondent wrote, uh, but who may be persuaded that this one is different, end of quote. It's a strange state of affairs when a product's marketing angle is not nearly as dangerous as its competitors, but here we are. So just what is the Novavax shot? What technology is used to produce it? Who is making it? What's in it? Is it safe? And is it effective at reducing the risk of infection with SARS-CoV-2 and the development of COVID-19? First up, what is the Novavax injection? The Novavax vaccine officially designated SARS-CoV-2 RS in brackets NVX-CoV-2373 is branded in Australia as Nuvaxavid for reasons presumably best known to its sponsors who no doubt spent a small fortune on focus groups to pick a catchy name for their product. Unlike traditional vaccines against viral diseases, which are produced by growing viruses in chicken eggs, then harvesting the virus from the eggs and either attenuating, weakening, or inactivating, killing it, Nuvaxavid uses recombinant DNA technology. Recombinant technology is a relative newcomer to the vaccine manufacturing space. The US Food and Drug Administration, the FDA, approved the first recombinant influenza vaccine in 2013. Recombinant vaccines are created synthetically by inserting a gene that codes for a viral protein that triggers the human immune system, known as an antigen, into a baculovirus, that is a virus that infects invertebrates, to produce a recombinant baculovirus. Host cells are then deliberately infected with the recombinant baculovirus, forcing them to make many copies of the viral antigen. The antigen is then collected, purified, and combined with chemicals that ramp up the immune system's response to antigens, known as adjuvants, to produce a vaccine. In the case of the Novavax shot, the viral antigen is a modified version of the spike protein of the original Wuhan strain of SARS-CoV-2. The host cells are derived from the immature ovaries of the pupae of fall armyworm moths, Spodoptera frugipeda, and the adjuvant is Matrix M, which is a combination of two saponins, soap-like substances, derived from the sap of the soapbark tree, Wallagia saponaria, encased in cholesterol nanoparticles to reduce their toxicity to human cells. The spike proteins harvested from the moth cells are assembled onto synthetic lipid nanoparticles, each displaying up to 14 spike proteins. Next, who makes the Novavax vaccine? Novavax, a company based in the US state of Maryland, describes itself as, quote, a biotechnology company that promotes improved health globally through the discovery, development, and commercialization of innovative vaccines to prevent serious infectious diseases, end of quote. 
Novavax claims that they have, quote, more than a decade of experience contending with some of the world's most devastating diseases, including COVID-19, seasonal influenza, RSV, Ebola, MERS and SARS, end of quote. Yet, just like mRNA injection producer Moderna, Novavax had never brought any of its candidate vaccines to market until the unprecedented global response to the COVID-19 crisis helped to, quote, blow the system up, end quote, smashing barriers to the acceptance of novel vaccine technologies in just the way that New Yorker staff writer Michael Spector salivated over in the October 2019 Milken Institute Gabfest on developing a universal flu vaccine. So as part of my life, I teach at Stanford and people use this word in Silicon Valley, which I mostly hate, but I'm going to use it now, disruption. Why don't we blow the system up? I mean, obviously, we can't just turn off the spigot on the system we have and then say, hey, everyone in the world should get this new vaccine we haven't given to anyone yet. But there must be some way that we grow vaccines mostly in eggs the way we did in 1947. I mean, we live in a world where I can download whatever song I want onto my phone at command, and we grow vaccines the way we did 70 years ago. What is going on with that? How does any for-profit organization persist since 1987, as Novavax has, continuing to pay staff and pull in funding for its research and development without managing to produce a single marketable product? I guess it pays to have friends in the right places. And Novavax certainly appears to have the right kind of friends, managing to attract funding from the Bill Gates-founded Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, CEPI, to the tune of up to 388 million US dollars for its COVID-19 vaccine candidate, along with a cool $1.6 billion from the US government-sponsored Operation Warp Speed program to fast-track the development of vaccines for COVID-19. The US Department of Defense awarded Novavax a $70 million contract for producing their vaccine in June 2020, despite the Phase 1 preliminary immunogenicity and safety trial having only begun in May 2020, with results not reported until July 2020, a month after the contract was inked. Now, what's in the Novavax vaccine? In addition to the bioengineered spike protein, the TGA product information document lists the following excipients. Dibasic sodium phosphate heptahydrate, monobasic sodium phosphate monohydrate, sodium chloride, polysorbate 80, sodium hydroxide and hydrochloric acid, both for the adjustment of pH, water for injections, and the adjuvant matrix M, which comprises collagen saponaria, saponins fraction A and fraction C, cholesterol, phosphatidylcholine, monobasic potassium phosphate and potassium chloride. While most of these ingredients are quite innocuous, polysorbate 80 is associated with an increased risk of colorectal cancer when consumed as a food additive and is linked to hypersensitivity systemic reactions such as anaphylaxis and also to kidney and liver toxicity and increased susceptibility of cells to oxidative stress when used in drugs that enter the bloodstream. Polysorbate 80 also facilitates the transport of drugs across the blood-brain barrier, the structure which hinders the entry of most substances into the delicate neural tissue that comprises the brain. The implications of this for a drug that contains a spike protein which is known to cause inflammation within the brain and suspected to be responsible for the fatigue and neuropsychiatric symptoms that characterise both acute and long COVID are deeply concerning. Does the presence of polysorbate 80 in the Novavax shot increase uptake of spike protein into the brain? And if so, how does this affect the risk of stroke, vascular dementia and cognitive dysfunction? 
These are the types of questions that one would expect to be answered in preclinical studies, that is, studies performed on laboratory animals. Sorry to all the vegans out there, but if you're going to take pharmaceutical products, you have to know that vast numbers of rodents, primates and other non-human animals are tortured and sacrificed by this industry every year. So, what did the studies on Nuvaxavids show? The preclinical Australian product information document for Nuvaxavid states only that genotoxicity tests, that is studies to detect damage to chromosomes, were carried out on only the matrix M adjuvant, not on the whole product, and that, quote, carcinogenicity studies were not performed. The components of the vaccine are not expected to have carcinogenic potential, end of quote. Not expected to have carcinogenic potential. What about the demonstrated colon cancer accelerating effect of polysorbate 80? Sure, carcinogenesis has only been demonstrated so far with oral dosing of polysorbate 80, but the mechanism of action is promotion of inflammation, which is known to increase the risk of all manner of cancers. And since the spike protein itself triggers inflammation, there may be a synergistic effect on cancer promotion when polysorbate 80 is delivered in combination with spike protein. Clinical trials, phase one and two. Moving on to studies in humans, that is clinical trials, a combined phase one and two trial to evaluate safety and immunogenicity in 131 healthy Australian adults concluded that the product, which was tested in a number of different formulations, induced higher antibody levels than infection with SARS-CoV-2, as well as a robust T-cell response, and had an acceptable safety profile with no serious adverse events. Notably, however, only those who received the vaccine reported adverse reactions ranked as severe, that is, none occurred in the placebo group, and severe reactions were more common after the second shot than after the first. A larger Phase two trial, enrolling 1,288 participants from the US and Australia, once again found a stronger neutralizing antibody response after vaccination than in convalescent serum. That is, the antibodies from vaccinated individuals were better at killing SARS-CoV-2 than antibodies from people who had recovered from infection. But notably, both were tested against the original Wuhan version of the virus, the wild type, which was no longer in circulation at the time the study took place, having long since been replaced by a series of variants. Once again, moderate to severe adverse reactions were more frequent after the second shot than the first. They also occurred more frequently in the higher dose version of the vaccine. One vaccine recipient developed myocarditis three days after the second dose and was hospitalised. And now on to the Phase 3 clinical trials. Firstly, the UK study. The first Phase 3 trial to be published in June 2021 randomised over 15,000 UK adults to receive either two doses of the lower dose version of the Novavax vaccine or saline placebo injection three weeks apart. The triumphant conclusion of the study was that the two-dose regimen quote, conferred 89.7% protection against SARS-CoV-2 infection and showed high efficacy against the B117 or alpha variant, end of quote. But what does this actually mean? The primary endpoint of the trial was the, quote, first occurrence of virologically confirmed symptomatic mild, moderate or severe COVID-19 with onset at least seven days after the second dose among participants who were seronegative at baseline, as determined by the results of testing for anti-nucleocapsid antibody. Symptomatic COVID-19 was defined according to the criteria of the FDA." End of quote. In other words, anyone who reported even the mildest of generic respiratory viral symptoms such as cough, headache or fever, and who returned a positive PCR test, was declared to have COVID-19, even though PCR is not suitable for diagnosing infection. 
The cycle threshold used for PCR testing was not specified. Furthermore, there is a 40 to 100% increased risk of SARS-CoV-2 infection for two weeks after the first Pfizer COVID-19 injection. But since the efficacy calculations in the UK Novavax trial excluded all cases of COVID-19 that occurred in the four-week period between the first shot and one week after the second shot, it is not known whether the same negative efficacy occurs with the Novavax vaccine. What is known is that out of the two deaths related to COVID-19 that were reported during the trial, one in the vaccine group and one in the placebo group, quote, the death in the vaccine group occurred in a 53-year-old man in whom COVID-19 symptoms developed seven days after the first dose. He was subsequently admitted to the ICU for treatment of respiratory failure from COVID-19 pneumonia and died 15 days after vaccine administration, end of quote. Just in case you missed it, the Novavax vaccine did not reduce the risk of dying of COVID-19. Furthermore, while the authors made much of the fact that the five reported cases of severe COVID all occurred in the placebo group, only one of these five required hospital treatment. Three of these so-called severe cases attended the emergency department but were not admitted, while the fifth was treated at home. And oddly, the Novavax shot showed no statistically significant benefit in non-white participants. So, this much-touted trial demonstrated that Nuvaxavid did not prevent death from COVID-19, one death each in the placebo and vaccine group, did not prevent hospitalisation, one hospitalisation for COVID-19 in the placebo group, one for immune-mediated myocarditis in the vaccine group, and reduced the absolute risk of developing any symptom of COVID-19 in the first three months after shot number two plus one week by 1.23%, from 1.37% in the placebo group down to 0.014% in the vaccine group. The trial did not assess whether the vaccine blocked transmission of SARS-CoV-2. The second phase three trial was the US-Mexico study. Just under 30,000 US and Mexican adults aged over 18 were recruited for this trial, which took place in the first half of 2021, when the alpha variant was still dominant in North America. Vaccine efficacy was calculated at 90.4%. Using the same criteria as in the UK trial, any symptom of COVID-19, along with a positive PCR test, occurring at least seven days after the second dose. In all, 14 such cases of COVID-19 occurred within the roughly two-month follow-up time in the 17,312 people who received two doses of the Novavax vaccine per protocol versus 63 cases in the 8,140 placebo recipients. Ten moderate and four severe cases of COVID-19 were reported in the placebo group, although none appear to have required hospitalisation and none in the vaccine group. No deaths from COVID-19 occurred in either group. Efficacy in Latinos was lower than in either non-Latino white or black people. Once again, adverse events were reported by more people who received the vaccine than the placebo and were more frequent after the second vaccine dose. Severe local reactions after dose number two occurred in less than 1% placebo recipients versus 6.7% of vaccine recipients. Severe systemic reactions occurred in 2.1% of placebo recipients after dose number two versus 12.1% of vaccine recipients. In summary, the US-Mexico trial found that Nuvaxavid did not prevent death or hospitalization from COVID-19, reduced the absolute risk of developing any symptom of COVID-19 in the first two months after shot number two plus one week by 0.69%, 
from 0.77% in the placebo group to 0.08% in the vaccine group and resulted in significantly increased risk of severe local and systemic reactions compared to placebo, particularly after the second dose. As with the UK trial, this study did not assess whether the vaccine prevents transmission of SARS-CoV-2. And thirdly, the South Africa study. In this study, 4,387 South African adults, 94% of whom were HIV negative and 6% HIV positive, received two doses of either nuvaxivid or placebo during a period in which the beta variant of SARS-CoV-2 was dominant. Using the same criteria as for the UK and US trials, vaccine efficacy was found to be just 49.4% overall and 60.1% in HIV negative participants. In roughly 60 days of follow-up, Symptomatic COVID-19 was observed in 15 participants out of the 1,357 in the vaccine group who completed the study per protocol, and in 29 participants out of the 1,327 in the placebo group. No COVID-related deaths or hospitalizations occurred in either the vaccine or placebo group, and only one of the 29 cases of COVID-19 that occurred in the placebo group was rated as severe. Medically attended adverse events and serious adverse events occurred more often in the vaccine group than in the placebo group, 13 versus 6 medically attended adverse events and 2 versus 1 serious adverse event. In summary, the South African trial found that nuvaxivid did not reduce the risk of hospitalisation or death from COVID-19, reduced the absolute risk of developing any symptom of COVID-19 in the first two months after shot number 2 plus 1 week, by 1.08% from 2.19% in the placebo group down to 1.11% in the vaccine group and doubled the risk of experiencing a medically attended adverse event or serious event. And as with the UK and US-Mexico trials, the South African study did not assess whether the vaccine prevents transmission of SARS-CoV-2. So the TGA granted provisional approval to Nuvaxavid on these data. You'll forgive me for being just a little underwhelmed by the efficacy data on the Novavax shot. The three flagship trials on which the TGA granted provisional approval for Nuvaxavid show no mortality benefit and no reduction in hospitalisation risk. They also don't demonstrate any community benefit because prevention of transmission of SARS-CoV-2 wasn't an endpoint. The trade-off for the 0.69 to 1.23% reduction in your risk of developing any respiratory tract symptom with a positive PCR test for SARS-CoV-2 is a significantly elevated risk of severe local and systemic adverse reactions. In addition to the two myocarditis cases identified in the Phase 1-2 trial and the UK trial, the European Medicine Agency's assessment of Nuvaxavid identified a third case which occurred in a participant in the placebo group who was given the vaccine after the follow-up period was completed. Hypertension or high blood pressure was also identified as an adverse reaction to Nuvaxavid. A pooled safety analysis found four serious adverse events of hypertension as well as 13 severe cases of hypertension. They also noted more serious adverse events of prostate cancer five in the vaccine group versus zero in the placebo group, and stroke, seven in the vaccine group versus one in the placebo group. Atagi's advice contradicts the TGA. The conflict of interest-ridden Australian Technical Advisory Group on Immunisation, Atagi, issued a statement on the use of Novavax COVID-19 vaccine, Novaxavid, which contradicts the product information document issued by TGA. For example, TGA takes a cautious approach to use in pregnancy and breastfeeding. So from their product information document, 
quote, use in pregnancy, pregnancy category B1. There is limited experience with use of nuvaxavid in pregnant women. Administration of nuvaxavid in pregnancy should only be considered when the potential benefits outweigh any potential risks for the mother and fetus. Use in lactation, it is unknown whether nuvaxavid is excreted in human milk, end of quote. Atagi, on the other hand, throws caution to the wind in its statement, quote, Novavax COVID-19 vaccine can be administered to pregnant and breastfeeding women. Atagi notes that unlike the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, for which there are substantial data on their safe use in pregnancy and with breastfeeding, uh, my parenthetical comment, that is absolutely not true. Uh, there are no immunogenicity or safety data for these groups with the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine. However, there are no theoretical safety concerns relating to use in pregnancy, since the Novavax COVID-19 vaccine, similarly to other COVID-19 vaccines, is not a live vaccine, end of quote. TGA acknowledges that there is scant data on efficacy and safety in immunocompromised people and none on mixing and matching Nuvaxavid with other COVID-19 vaccines. Two separate quotes from the TGA document. Firstly, quote, immunocompromised individuals. The efficacy, safety and immunogenicity of the vaccine has been assessed in a limited number of immunocompromised individuals. The efficacy of Nuvaxavid may be lower in immunosuppressed individuals." End of quote. And second quote, there are no data available on the interchangeability of Nuvaxavid with other COVID-19 vaccines to complete the primary vaccination course. Individuals who have received a first dose of Nuvaxavid should receive the second dose of Nuvaxavid to complete the vaccination course, end of quote. Atagi makes no such acknowledgement of the lack of data and has no qualms whatsoever about tacking a dose of Nuvaxavid onto a primary course of a different type of COVID-19 vaccine. Quote, people with severe immunocompromise are recommended to receive three primary doses of COVID-19 vaccine and Novavax COVID-19 vaccine can be used for this purpose. Refer to the Atagi statement on the use of a third primary dose, which is recommended at an interval of two months after the second dose. End of quote. What are we to make of this conflicting guidance? And why is Atagi permitted to issue recommendations that contradict the TGA without providing any of the evidence that TGA says is missing in support of Atagi's position? Adverse event reports call for caution. Nuvaxavid was only granted provisional approval in Australia in late January 2022, but adverse event reports are already piling up. Ausvax Safety, which solicits adverse event reports from a subset of vaccine recipients on the third day after vaccination, reports that 2 in 100 Australians who received Nuvaxavid have sought their doctor's advice or presented to an emergency department in the days after their first dose, and 15% were unable to attend work or school or perform normal duties. As of 18 March 2022, 233 adverse reactions to Nuvaxavid have been reported to TGA's Database of Adverse Event Notifications, DAN, including 61 cases of chest pain, 29 cases of chest discomfort, 8 of pericarditis and 6 of hypertension, along with 60 cases of headache and 56 cases of paresthesia, a sensation of prickling, tingling or creeping on the skin, having no objective cause and usually associated with injury or irritation of a sensory nerve or nerve root. There are some rather graphic descriptions of three of these adverse reactions drawn from social media posts made by the people who suffered them, linked to in the post accompanying this podcast episode. Even if adverse reactions to the Novavax vaccine are rarer than to the AstraZeneca, Pfizer and Moderna shots, 
Any risk at all is, in my opinion, a completely unacceptable price to pay for a product that offers no clinically meaningful benefit to individuals, nor any social benefit. So don't bother inviting me to join your Novastand cult. I'm staying in the control group. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with a friend and on your socials, and make sure you subscribe to my Empowered Substack so you never miss a post.